from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And this is the greatest beer show on the internet. Or so I'm told. At By least us. that's what my mom told me. So well, I, I said it, too. Oh, okay. Well, then then it's totally okay. All right, good deal. Um, joining us today is Pat, fellow home brewer. Hello there. Uh, we're going to be tasting some of his beer in just a few minutes here. But before we get into that, Miles, what have you been brewing lately? Uh, not enough. <laughs> no, okay, no. I'm actually working on bottling uh, all of the beers that I already have made. Okay. Uh, I got one. Uh, we'll probably be trying it next week. It's a honey pale ale. Ooh, okay. Never done a honey. I've never done honey addition to a beer. Awesome. Or at least not personally. How how, how is it looking so far? Uh, you know, I got to taste it at bottling. Um, lots of promise. Okay. Uh, I just did some simple bottle conditioning. I have five bummer bottles out of a gallon. Okay. Did the uh, did the honey like dry it out a bit or? Not not really. It just gave it a little residual sweetness the way honey does. Okay. You know, it, it makes it, like, nice and sweet without being cloying or syrupy mm-hmm. ever. I don't know, like, if you're ever looking to sweeten honey up, that's the or sweeten something up, honey's the perfect way to do it. Okay. Honey goes with everything. If you say so. I um, don't know. Well, almost. Almost. <laughs> I'm nodding here in the background. Yes. Yeah. Yep, no. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I've just been trying to pe- get everything packaged. I have about... I don't know, 15 gallons that I still need to package. and That's a lot of bottles. Well, and that's the problem. I don't have any bottles. <laughs> so I got to do something because all my kegs are full. That's a tragedy. It, it is. So I either need to start drinking more or buy some bottles. I fail to see where the problem is. It's a problem of excess. <laughs> I fail to see what the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, what about you? Have you been brewing anything lately? Well, yeah, I had a um, one one thing that I had brewed, and I just bottled it recently. I just actually cracked a bottle the other night, and this was something I had told Miles about. Um, and I call it Polish chocolate honey, and because I I do like putting honey in in things, and um, this turned out to be a ten point six percent. So it's a big it's oh wow, a, that's it's a, a big, big beer. beer, and it tastes really good. That's kind of the cool okay. part. Um, I just did a second batch. I did one minor hop change, um, with it just, just to see and, um, how it's going to turn out and, uh, my, we'll have to see where it finishes, but I think I replicated pretty good. So it's going to be another big one. Okay. Um, so, but chocolatey honey, how can you go wrong? I mean, yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, it's pretty good. I'm going to want to do a a big, I've only been doing two gallons of these cause I didn't, you know, want to have a big, yeah. you know, batch of something that nobody was going to want. So, mm-hmm. but I think we're pretty safe on this one. So very cool. Yeah. Just for clarification, you're an all grain brewer. This is all grain. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, well, I guess since you know, you just talked about what you have been brewing, why don't we talk about what you've brewed and try your home brews here? Well, this, this is a chocolate stout. Um, this is an extract. So we're going to see what you think. Okay. Um, We've had extract on the show, well, two weeks ago, was it? Uh, Yeah, two with, weeks ago. With Logan. It was pretty good. I mean, and we discussed that uh, extract brews uh, aren't inherently inferior. Yeah. Um, I Well, 
They're they're not. You can make a really good beer with extract. You just have to like it. It all comes down to fermentation, I believe. Well, I know one uh, another friend of mine was telling me. Well, you know that the with mm-hmm. the with the LME, you know, you're doing the same thing. You know, when you're um, you know preparing your wort anyway. You know, when you're doing your all grain brewing, right? It's the same yeah. thing. You're just getting the sugar out of the grain. Um, after making the transition, I think it was a all grain. It's just the way it is. You know, I mean, it's the way to go. I mean, just oh, for opinion, sure. You know, so much more control. Should have had that one uh, chilled a little bit. You guys would. <laughs> you might appreciate it a little bit more. Okay. Uh, initially, it looks really, really good. I like the carbonation on it. Uh, well, clearly it's there. The head d- doesn't stick around quite as long, but whatever, it's a stout with it's a stout. With like, I don't, I don't I, expect head to stick around no, 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 for no, a no. while on a stout. I'm just watching for facial reactions <laughs> <Right>? here. <so. laughs> um, yeah, I, the aroma is good. It has that nice roast. It smells dry. Mm-hmm. We really got to figure out a way to make tasting better on radio. I, there's a whole lot of. <laughs> there's a whole lot of. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, Miles, uh, have you you've tasted it? Why don't you go first? I haven't tasted it. Oh, you, you haven't. Did. Okay. No, why don't you? I'll I'll take it in. I'll all right. All right. Well, let me let me taste it, and then again. I'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's tasto-vision. All right, that um, needs to be a thing. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's a chocolate stout, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm definitely picking up that that cocoa. Uh, I'm getting that it it dried out fairly nicely. I'm not picking up a whole lot of residual se- sweetness. Um, overall, I like it. It's it's a good beer. It's solid. Um, there's nothing that pops out as you know this is an amazing beer, but it's it's definitely good. Yeah, I'll take good. That was see. This was this was if you note by the number four on the bottle. This was my fourth batch, you know, okay. that I had ever done. So you know, fourth batch, not bad at all. Uh, if I was going to talk about the one big negative I'm seeing, you said this was ten point six. No, 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 no. no, no. Oh, so no. what is this one? Uh, oh boy, you know, off the top of my head, I don't, okay. I don't remember. I don't know. Well, okay. Was it a kit beer or was it a no, recipe you it, came it, up it with? It was a recipe that I came up with, and I. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it's five something, but okay. Do you remember what the recipe was? Sort of. Sort of. Well, <laughs> you want to give us a ballpark, just so we it know. was. Um, it was like a pound of chocolate, a pound of Munich, and a pound of um, probably like sixty caramel, I think. And then um, there was a one, you know, the three point three or three pound, you know, um, special dark and three point three Bavarian, I think. Okay. Or three, you know, and then it was. Um, Magnum, Magnum, one ounce of Magnum for the boil, and then one ounce of Cascade for aroma. You know, at five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So just pretty standard stuff. You know, I think I actually taste the Magnum in there, and it almost blends. It it blends splendid, splendidly with like the the dry chocolate, you know, powder chocolate mm-hmm. powder kind of flavors coming up in there. Um, my biggest criticism would be it just doesn't quite have the body I would look for. Um, yeah, little thin, but. Uh, not, uh, I don't. I don't think it detracts too much. No, no. But if, it really I mean, doesn't. yeah, if, if you're looking at improving this, increase the body a little bit. Uh, maybe add like some oats or something like that. Might yeah, might give it just that little bit more mouthfeel you're looking for. Well, my wife was saying something about that too. I mean, she likes this, um, but she says she doesn't think it's creamy enough. You know what I mean? Okay. So that's yeah, yeah. And oat would help with that too. Hmm. 
Yep, Ulp helps with, uh, I I say it gives it like a silky kind of texture yeah. to it. That's that, that's a good, uh, yeah, almost like a creamy silkiness. Um, uh, just reiterating everything that everybody else said. <laughs> <laughs> Can never go wrong when you're doing that. Right, so. right. I don't know, Casey. If you're going to consider procedurally, how do you, how do you think he might improve this? Um, honestly, I think I think it just lies in the recipe. Uh, the The beer itself is good. It's well made. Yes. Um, fermentation was clean, so I think just tweaking that recipe a little bit might help put it over the top. And then we'll we'll get in this in the discussion a little bit. But uh, one of the things that you can do is instead of starting with your special dark extract malt. Uh, you can knock that back to something really light and compensate with other specialty grains, which will uh, make it a little bit more complex mm-hmm. and at the same time give you more unfermentable sugars to increase your final gravity and make it a little bit thicker without legitimately changing the recipe too much. Sure. Uh, especially since most of dark extracts are still base grain you know, components. Mm-hmm. And so you could probably keep your Munich, you said? Mm-hmm. Uh, keep the Munich, probably get um, a golden light or something, mm-hmm. uh, compensate some more with your your dark malts, and you would end up getting probably more, more what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. There is. That bottle, just, uh... No, if you had a slight chill on it, I mean, you know. That would yeah. Happen, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> He's just got to throw that out there. He's just <laughs> He's like, like, it's not every... cold enough, guys. It's not. Yes, I'm it's so sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, I actually like the temperature I'm drinking it at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, everything's coming through flavor-wise. If it was any colder, some stuff might get buried in that cold. But Yeah. True. So I, I guess uh, for us, the short version is the recipe is more or less sound. You don't necessarily want to change it. You just want to tweak it so that you can, you know... Up the body a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. Make it just a little bit more complex. Um, but all, all the all the components that you're looking for is there. That chocolate's coming through. I the, mean, the the roast is there. Yeah. It's it's a good beer, especially for well, your thanks. fourth batch. Yeah. especially for your fourth batch. This is good. Well, thank thanks for that. Uh, you know, I think this is actually. The, I think this <laughs> is the first of your beers I've actually tried. It is. Yeah. Yep, and we've worked a lot together. Mm-hmm. So how how long have you been brewing? Um, oh. I guess let's go into your homebrew history a little bit. Well, here. I think it's only been maybe a year now. Okay. So, and what I what I was gonna do, and I didn't bring um, for you guys with this. What I normally do with this um, when I drink these darker beers like this, um, which we, which we're rather fond of, we'll take a you know an aperitif of some cherry wine that we make too. That counts as oh, homebrew okay. too, right? Yeah. Oh, for yep. sure. So, and it, it it works out really nicely together that way. So. But yeah, I could see that chocolate and cherry. Chocolate yeah. and cherry, you can't go wrong with that combination. You this, really uh, can't. This cherry wine is uh, it's it's pretty good. It's dry. We don't make that, so it's cloyingly sweet either. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's pretty potent stuff. You have to watch it a little bit. So I mean, it's just a sipper, you know, with this. But it really does. It cleanses the palate nicely between you know drinks of the stout too. So yeah, yeah. One of the things I kind of like about uh, the stout and how dry it is is it doesn't linger way too long in the back. Um, I, I personally have been having a harder time recently with a lot of the stouts that come out because they're so unbelievably sweet and they just stick and they around. stay forever, yeah, forever, forever. <laughs> and so it, it's not that that's a bad thing, but it's just this is a refreshing alternative. Yeah, and you, you know, can you can drink this with a meal, 
and yeah. not, you know, and not just have everything turn sweet in your mouth. Like, so with some of those, like with the stuff that linger, if you're, e- if you try to drink it while you're eating, it just gives everything this sweet texture that just, it throws off everything. I'm thinking braised beef. I would drink this bit with braised beef. Yeah. I would drink anything with braised beef. <laughs> 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 ah, touche, Monsieur Pussycat. Yes. And right. there you have it. Yeah. Um, well, just well, uh, how, how many batches have you done um, now? I mean, a year, and this is batch four. Well, honestly, not not really that many, but if you consider all my small ones, probably about 20, I suppose. Okay. So I'm I'm still pretty new to the game here, but... I just I like to learn fairly quickly, you mm-hmm. know, too or whatever. Um, I don't like to play it safe, you know. I mean, I've got some friends that are they're in another in a brew club, you know, in a town north of us, you know, for instance, mm-hmm. and and very big on following, you know, the recipes. guidelines. Yeah, the guidelines. And I don't like to do that. I like to fly by the seat of my pants a little bit, which is why, you know, with Miles' advice, I started moving to. Um, one gallon and two gallon batches because I can really play around a lot, you know, with the small batches. Then if I get something mm-hmm. that's good, then we can go ahead and we can increase from there. That made mm-hmm. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So, and it's been sometimes Miles has good ideas. Sometimes. That's why we keep him around. <laughs> <laughs> it happens from time to time. Everyone has their moments. Thank you. <laughs> Funny. Got All me. right. Um, well, why don't we uh, move into the discussion, Miles? What are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about extracts today. Uh, no, we're not. No, 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 no. Sorry. We talked about uh, extracts last yes, week. Yes. No, we're moving from extracts, and we're talking about specialty grain there additions. There you go. Uh, for the most part with extract brewing. Uh, so. All right. Well, why don't you define specialty malts for us? Uh, so what specialty malts are, is they're really kind of the... Somebody was prepared no, today. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just trying to say it, or I'm going to say something, and it's not in, entirely true. But I'll fix with, it. Within context, it is. Uh, it's kind of the character uh, of the beer. So it's like, uh, for the most part, for an extract batch, you have the extract, which gives you all of your fermentable sugars, mm-hmm. and to an extent carries, or some of them carry with um, specialty additions in and of themselves. But the specialty grains are the, you know, the actual barley you get to work with in your extract batch that will then give it uniqueness and the character and, for the most part, put it in the style category you're trying to make. Okay, yeah. So uh, the way I always like to think about specialty malts is if you're looking at, if, as an extract brewer, if you're looking at specialty malts, there are any actual grains that you use while yeah. you're brewing the yep. beer. Uh, once you move to all grain, it's really anything besides base malt is your specialty malt, I would say. Yeah, and that that's that's a bit of a quote-unquote, but... Yeah. Um, we'll just go with yes for today. Yes, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, we'll dig into it uh, deeper uh, in the future, in future shows. But, yep. all right, so, Miles, why do we use specialty malts? Why are those a thing that we care about? Well... Uh, there's the, the more technical reason and one of the big reasons why it's getting so unbelievably popular that you don't see extract batches without them is because, uh, there's a lot of protein matter that gets lost, uh, when you're turning, you know, uh, wort into an extract that then gets canned and, uh, tubbed for you to use at home. You use, you lose a lot of proteins, which has a lot of body and character that gives the beer or that it gives to the beer. Uh, so you use specialty grains, you steep them, and you end up getting some of that back, and it gives a whole new dimension to the beer again that was otherwise lost. 
Okay. Did that make sense? I, I don't know. I yes. Like, okay. It made sense to me, and I'm relatively new. So. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, so there's some lost or there's some stuff lost during the extract making process, and specialty grains put it back in. Also, uh, because or when you work with an extract, you pretty much have no choice. Like by the time you have the tubs, you know whatever is in there, you're stuck with. But you can choose whatever and how much of the specialty you want to put in. And so, really, the sky's the limit. So, specialty malts allow you to put your own spin on your extract. Yes, your own characteristic. You can tweak it however you want. And, God, even if you do just little tweaks, you can make an entirely different beer. Okay. Categorically speaking. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so... That's that's why we use them and what kind of what they are. But what are the different uh, categories of uh, specialty malts? That's the word I was looking for. Ah, gotcha. It's okay. early. Uh, there, there are a couple of broad but all-inclusive categories. You have uh, your base malts, which aren't your specialties. Uh, then you have caramel, roasted, and other. Okay. And what are what are caramel malts? Caramel malts, they get... Um, uh, Roasted in a special way that give uh, varying levels of sweetness and and color. Okay, so um, when when you're looking at caramel malts, you see uh, like say a car or like a like a caramel or crystal fifteen up to like one twenty. What's the difference there? Uh, it is it, the term is actually de- in degrees lavi bond, which sounds so much more confusing than it ever really needs to be. Uh, if you if you've ever worked with the beer color or SRM, which we talked about last week, we did. Aha, um, Lavi Bond is basically the same thing, except you're talking about the grain or the color of the grain before it is in the beer. Okay, that, and that that's pretty much what I found. It's like a pound of fifteen, or excuse me, caramel fifteen in a gallon of water will give you fifteen SRM. Okay. And is is color the only difference between no, no, a no, crystal? No. Uh, well, it's an indication of why they're different. Uh, they get roasted to different extents, which change the color and the internal sugar structures. And so, the darker it is, uh, the sweeter it becomes with caramely flavors, and the darker it is. Okay. All right. And um, so there's there's just a whole variety anywhere from like 15 degrees lavi bond to 120 degrees lavi bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there there's something interesting to note. Uh, there's there's a distinct difference in flavor between yes, yep. uh, the U.S. and the U.K. crystal malts. Um, your 15 lavi bond in the U.K. is going to be completely different than your U.S. 15. They're going to taste drastically different. Just you just keep that in mind when you're making recipes. Um, if you use U.S. Crystal, make sure you're always using U.S. Crystal if you want to replicate that recipe. Because if you use U.K., you're going to get a slightly different flavor. And one of the things I also learned in some of my research is that there is a distinct difference between a, a caramel malt and a crystal malt. What is the distinct difference? Honestly, I forget it off the top of my head. Must not be that distinct. No, no. <laughs> uh, it... it, it one of them gives more of a bready, biscuity flavor, okay. where the other one is very specifically like caramely, sugary kind of sweetness. Okay. Um, I want to say... I would assume caramel would be the caramel sugary. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one would assume that, wouldn't plain, plain crystal would be similar in effect if you were to do a caramel and a biscuit. 
malt edition. Okay. And so, and I guess there's ways that you can tell the difference just by cracking some of the grains open. Yeah. So that's okay. a thing. All right. Wow. So moving on from the the crystal caramel malts to roast. Uh, roasted gives you a different, uh, an entirely different category of flavors, and most of them are, uh, as I was saying, this biscuity. Uh, bready kind of flavors, all the way down to bitter, chocolatey, coffee kind of flavors. Okay. So those are going to be any of your grains that legitimately just look black or dark brown. So you start, you know, lighter brown and then keep going darker. Yeah, you just you keep getting like darker. black patent or whatever. Yep, exactly. And uh, some of the lighter ones would include, like, uh, biscuit, British amber. Those will be anywhere from 20 to 50 degrees lavi bond. And you can get all the way down to chocolate and black malt, which can get all the way up to five and six hundred degrees lavi bond. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Dark. Yeah, and the implication is there. You know, it's like if you're making a five gallon batch, you need to decide you're going to put half a pound of black malt in. <laughs> you're also going to have a black beer. Yeah. That, well, and that's another thing, uh, especially with these high uh, lava bond malts. A little bit goes a long way. Very, um, very much so. Yeah. Like if. Uh, and I think a lot of uh, black IPA uh, people need to need to use use this information a little bit more. Uh, but if you just make like a uh, like almost like a tea or something, like put put the black malt in at the tor- at the very end of the mash. Just use a little bit. Put it in a hop sack even, just to make it dark, and then pull it out, and you won't get any of that roast flavor, but you'll get the color. Yeah, or you can just not crush it. That that is an alternative way. Uh, if you don't crush a grain. You can avoid extracting color and still get more of the flavor than you don't. But what if we don't want the flavor? Then don't put it in at all. <laughs> no, uh, especially with some of these super dark grains, um, a little really does go a long way, and there is a high risk for tannin extraction or just in general overuse. Yeah, and if you get tannin extraction, uh, what that means is your beer will be astringent. Like wine drinkers know, like, you know, about tannins and astringency and stuff like that. But it's going to add a... Oh, I'm trying to think of the best word uh, to describe. How, how about this? Um, you can get nice bitterness out of a grain, like a good cup of mm-hmm. hot black coffee. Okay. But astringency is when you're trying to drink that same cup of coffee after there's some grains in it and it's been cold for six hours. You get just this nasty, you know, really bad sort of bitterness that comes through. And that's that's the kind of flavors, especially with these grains that you would end up getting. Um, A lot of times, uh, for the most part, with uh, software, recipe software, you will find that they say, do not exceed this percentage with this grain. Mm -hmm. Listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Do not make a smash beer with black patent malt. That would be terrible. Smashes single malt and single hop for the viewing audience. That would not end well. No, it wouldn't. That would be terrible. That would be scary. <laughs> I don't even know if you'd be able to get that to ferment out. No, no, it wouldn't. It would never. It would never <laughs> uh, mash. Yeah. Are you cut- picking up on this, Pat? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you have anything to, to add? Um, or any questions? Hmm. No, I. I know. I know that some of this, you know, that it goes a long way. You know, like you said, so. No, not really. I guess okay. it's um, but I I get it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I understand what you're talking about. So that's right, good. Um, and then I guess the third category you mentioned was other. Other, yeah, and so that's when you get like honey malts, uh, 
unmalted malts, excuse me, unmalted grains, I should say, including wheat and barley. Uh, that can also be fairly rye. harsh. Rye. Oat. Oats. Uh, smoked malts often fall into that category. I have a question. Have you ever really experimented with smoked malts? Uh, only a little, and only to the extent that we know a little goes a long way. Yeah, smoke malts is one of those things where less is more. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I, I, there's there's very few smoked beers out there that I actually enjoy, and I think it's just a heavy use of like peated smoke malt. Yeah, they can you can overdo smoke easily, mm-hmm. unless it's in scotch. Yeah, but scotch isn't beer. No, 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 no. No, that's true. Um, is that something where, like, fla- is flaked corn something that we'd be talking about? With, yeah. Know, in the yep. Yep. So what, what effect would that have? Flaked corn adds a bit of creamy Ooh. creamy quality to it. Um, spotted cow is made with corn. Yep. Okay. And uh, corn can be used to take a pale ale and turn it into a cream ale. Yeah, because. and it'll it'll add more fermentable sugar, so it'll dry it out a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, like our corn and rice are extremely fermentable. So this is something that I potentially would want to add in. You know, like with this particular beer that we brought over today, and it was a little thin, you mm-hmm. know, and and agreed. So that would have made it better, maybe. Um, I don't know if corn would work with this because corn is it still ferments. It wouldn't yeah. add to the body. It would give a little bit of a creamy taste as opposed to a creamy texture. Yeah, hmm. uh, and so that's what you're. Why? Excuse me. That's why we suggested oats. Oats have no fermentable sugars, and so anything that it contributes will help thicken the beer. And then it also just has the the quality of adding that silky smoothness to it, uh, smooth it out. Got a nice dry, more full-bodied beer. Okay. Plus, when you're done, you have oatmeal. So that's true. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> a big old. Bag of oatmeal. Barley and oatmeal, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I have a couple of uh, tips and tricks here for the extract brewer for you. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Uh, We we covered it real quick, but I'll just reiterate. Not crushing some of your specialty grains will lighten the color extraction from that grain, but not more so than your flavor extraction. So you'll get more flavor out of it than you will the color. Okay. Uh, And so take that as you will. That would be an area for experimentation. Uh, for and I was explaining this to you earlier. Uh, you can start with lighter extracts, uh, specifically the liquid, and you can uh, add a little bit more to your uh, specialty grain additions, and it will just give you even more power to uh, customize and just own your recipe. Mm-hmm. That you're not, you know, limiting yourself to what's sold in a store for the extracts. Uh, special, and on that note, specialty grains also increase final gravity because most of what they have to offer is unfermentable sugars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just for all-grain brewers for the most part, uh, that fact leads into watch out for your enzyme quantity because uh, too much specialty, uh, won't. you can end up having a beer that won't ferment out properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll have to use Beano or something. And Do you know what we're talking about? Hmm. With that, with that concept, uh, so the thing is, um, base malts have what's referred to as enzymatic or diastatic power, mm-hmm. and uh, the enzymes are needed to break down the starches into fermentable sugars for the yeast. 
And so if you were to have nothing but specialty grains, uh, there is nothing to convert. Oh. And even if there was, if you don't have any pale malt, there's no enzymes to convert it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you know all recipes are like 80% base and then you know whatever comes after that. Okay. Uh, so that's just that's yeah. just a keynote. And I mean, we'll dig more into enzymes and stuff once we start yeah, digging yep. into mashing on the uh, show. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna top that off and say that for the most part, try not to exceed twenty percent for specialty. Yeah, it's a good, a good, good base. round number. Uh, there's definitely exceptions to the rule, but it's yeah. a good guideline. Um, and for extract brewers, don't squeeze your grain back. I've actually read from Brew Your Own. That there is, um, that that's not entirely like proven. I don't care. Better safe than sorry when it's coming I, no, to your I, beer. I agree with you. Don't, I don't squeeze I it. Don't squeeze my grains. <laughs> uh, the the reason we say that is there's yeah there, there's a higher uh, possibility of tannin extraction if you're squeezing every all every ounce of liquid out of that. Yeah. Um, the idea is that. You know, uh, when you're steeping, all of the grains are more or less just sitting there. But if you squeeze them, you're actually compacting that and promoting anything that's inside mm-hmm. to come out that you may or may not want to be out. Yes. Well, so. this I've got a question on then because, <clears throat> no, I don't squeeze. But when I did do this with the extract, when I was steeping, um, I would literally, okay, so think about steeping a tea bag. You yep. know, or you know how you yeah. Pick it up. Pick and, it up. And, yeah. And, yep. I would do that throughout the steep. Yeah. Process. I. That's that's completely fine. I. I don't see a problem with that. I do that as well when I'm okay. doing extra. I mean, for the most part, what we're saying is when you're done with it, you know, you pick it up and you yep. let it drip dry for the most part, so mm-hmm. you're not wasting all that wort. We're just saying, don't you know, wrap your hand around there and, <laughs> and squeeze it out every last drop. You know, just know looking at you, hurt. Miles, that hurt. <laughs> you know, <that's... laughs> I suppose it would be pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> not what I was thinking. That's not, but... <laughs> yeah. But good job, Miles. <laughs> Thanks for keeping the show I'm clean. I'm glad this isn't being recorded live. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our our discussion on the introductory to specialty malts. Um, next week we'll be talking about something completely different that we don't know yet. So. Yes. Yeah. TBC. There we go. Uh, and before we wrap up, I just want to remind everybody that the Divine Homebrew Competition is July 13th. Uh, it's a Sunday. It starts at noon. It's going to be uh, until 6. And we're doing the live show for that. So make sure you come out and you know, support us, support Divine. Or uh, we'll also be broadcasting live. So if you can't make it, listen in. Uh, beer submissions are due on the 1st of July, right, Miles? That's why yes. you don't turn off your microphone yes. until we're done. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, if you, You're just supposed to know this already. Right. If, if you want to support us, uh, please go uh, to patreon.com slash studios and become a recurring donor today. Uh, that, that will help support us and the show and just help bring you more content every week. Uh, you can also find the link at the top of our homepage at blindedstudios.com. Uh, and if you have any feedback on this episode or any of our other shows, go ahead and send us an email at feedback at blindedstudios.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week.